this is Angie Fever Sutton and Jen Morris, and you're listening to episode two of Stage Seven. So, Jen. How many times in your theatrical career have you stage managed? Five or six times. I've done several other technical positions, and I've been on stage a lot of the time, but stage managing five or six times. I've done it eight times, not including the various times of backstage managing, and we'll talk about the difference between a backstage manager and a regular stage manager here in a minute. Sure. My big story is that I've stage managed the same show two times in a row, only a year apart. It was Moon Over Buffalo, and to this day, I can still quote lines from the show, and it was like over 10 years ago that I did this. So as you can tell, our first topic for this episode two is all about stage management. Both of us have had plenty of experience being a stage manager. Manager. So I guess what we should probably start out with is just basically kind of explain what exactly a stage manager is and how it does differentiate between an assistant stage manager and a backstage manager and that kind of stuff. And it really, while they all kind of have the same basic test, it, it also also depends on the actual theater too. Because yes. I know for for example, theater in the park, Art Susskind was directing Cinderella last year and he um, was asking for stage managers to which I applied. He ended up asking me to be one of, I want to say five assistant stage managers rather than the stage manager itself. And so I'm assuming each of the assistant stage managers would have different tasks associated with it. Whereas other smaller organizations would only have main stage manager and probably a backstage manager and there have been times when I've done both (laughs) so Jen you want to kind of go start off with what you think a stage manager is well sure absolutely and again it does vary again by production and also even by theater it can also vary by director what your tasks end up actually being but the main Subjects that are covered by stage manager would be the cues primarily, lighting cues, sound cues. They have a main book where they've written down every single cue that they have with them, and they're in charge of letting the technician go um, when that cue is to be taken care of. They also write down all the blocking for the actors during rehearsal time, and they're responsible for making sure all the actors stick to that blocking that's been written down. Some people call the main book that the stage manager has, the Bible. So that's kind of up to the stage manager how they refer to it. But that one script is probably uh, the most valuable script uh, in the entire show. And they also will make sure all the actors stay on script, make sure their words are appropriate, and they'll even do rehearsal notes throughout the rehearsal if any of the words are off. And then props, costumes, they kind of run the other separate departments, making sure all the technical aspects are covered and is the liaison between the director and the technical staff and the actors. And the main thing that the stage manager is going to end up doing is running the show once the show is ready to go. The director's in charge throughout rehearsals as far as making sure everything's set on stage. But after that point, it's the stage manager show, and they are in charge of everything. So they're kind of the most important aspect as far as making sure everything goes smoothly, working with the tech director, working with the director, working with the actors, the other technicians, they're the go-to person. 
Yeah, um, when I, I had attended the 2008 Inge Festival where I got to meet Christopher Durang, uh, Christopher Durang, uh, <laughs> one of the workshops I had attended was Don Hill, who is the head of stage manager, ma- management at the University of California, Irving, one of the few places you can actually get a master's in, uh, degree in stage management. But he did ran a thing called the Art of Stage Management. And he, when I wrote up my article about this workshop, I talked about if stage manager is probably the least glorious of all the ones that's one if you do your job right no one knows you exist and the only time you are noticed is when something goes wrong (laughs) (laughs) and so um the american association of community theater actually has a listing of various definitions of theater roles and they say stage managers quote typically provide practical and organizational support to the director actors designers stage crew and technicians throughout the production process so again yes it's the prompt book it's being in charge of all the other technical they're kind of the head boss of all the other technical roles if there is other technical roles like for example again in theater in the park they have a props person they have a costume person and the stage manager is kind of the boss of all, they're the coordinator of all of those people kind of being the mediator mediation person between the director and them in terms of that what would you say for your own personal thing is the hardest aspect of being a stage manager to you to me again i'd say different aspects affecting me different productions mm-hmm. uh, so it kind of would depend on the situation but I would say the hardest part is just keeping track of every single detail with every single person and making sure that every single technician does what you ask them to do. Make sure every single actor is where they need to be every time. They're not messing with props. It's, it's just making sure everything runs smoothly as the manager because I don't think everyone realizes how much you actually take on in that moment, how much you're actually in charge of. And a great stage manager doesn't show you how hard it really is, whereas a poor stage manager will be exasperated and falling apart in the back, and it's very obvious that they don't have as much experience. But, you know, you always have to learn from the beginning. But I would definitely say that would be the hardest. I do have a story where the absolute hardest job I ever took was with a specific group, and it was a different type of performance that I'd ever done before. I'd usually worked in a theatrical setting as far as community theater, professional theater, and this was an opera setting, and it was just a totally different type of stage management atmosphere as far as the actual cue-to-cue work was very low, just the nature of the program. But organizing 60 opera individuals is very, very difficult. And I think I received 40 emails a day of, what do I have to do today? What are we doing today? I don't know what I'm doing today. That was probably the hardest job that I ever had. I raise you those 40, I see your 40 opera singers, and I raise you 20 kids, none of them older than 15, in a musical. Yes. (laughs) We did have kids on that production. When I didn't. I wasn't there from the beginning. I was called in because the original stage manager quit. So I came in two weeks into the role. Uh, That was where I came up with, and I didn't come up with it. Other people have used this phrase, but where I started using the phrase kid wrangler, (laughs) (laughs) because that ended up being 90% of my job was wrangling those kids, making sure they were where they needed to be. And it was not a pleasant experience for me. (laughs) Let's just leave it at that. Well, let's kind of go into, I know um, the Theatre Ontario also has a guide to producing community theatre, and they also, they have this lovely list 
links to these various things I'm talking about will be in our show notes. They talk about, uh, they have a list of all the various duties of a stage manager. And some of the things that you don't really think about is that a good stage manager is there pretty much from the beginning, if not before the beginning. A good director already has a stage manager in mind before they even apply to direct for the show and is there discussing what they see with the production, how how they see the blocking, what they want to do for props and costumes way before even auditions start. Now, of course, that's not always something you can do, especially in a community theater, but a good director immediately has a stage manager in mind, and they are also the last person gone. They are in charge of strike. They're the ones that make sure the theater is back to where it was when when y'all started. A good stage manager, first person there, last person to leave of every rehearsal. And so it's a very, very time-consuming. So if you want to be a stage manager, make sure you realize that you, unlike the actors, you have to be there for every single rehearsal. You know, the actors, if you're not in a particular scene that night, you can have the night off. Not so with the stage manager. (laughs) So one of the things that it listed on there that I am very aware, but I always forget to add to my list of duties is health and safety. They're also the main person that Mm -hmm. makes sure everything runs safe, that if there is any kind of fight coordinating going on, or if there's any kind of pratfalls or comedic things like that, that everything is area safe. If there's any drinks on stage, they're the ones that have to make sure everything's dry afterwards so there's not slip, anything like that. So they have to, you know, make sure they have some, know where the nearest first aid kit is. A lot of stage managers that I know, myself including, has a first aid kit on on hand yes. so if there is a damage so one of the big skills is that you have to be very very organized because as you said you have to make sure you have a list of all the props that are going to be used a list of all the costumes the actors if it's costumes that are being brought in what costumes go to which actor sizes in fact if it's something that you need to actually go get so you have a list of sizes you have to keep a list of everybody's contact info a list of the calendar so there's a lot of great resources out there for people who are interested in stage managers Uh, theater on the shoestring website has a lovely lovely section of various things for stage management includes a job description a checklist of tasks an inventory kit of of a kit you should have with you, which includes things like duct tape, first aid kit, sewing kit, (laughs) that kind of thing, as well as various blank documents for how, uh, for when you need to run a production meeting, when you need to do a rehearsal report. So because in the professional theaters, a stage manager has to write up production reports for every rehearsal, basically what went right, what went wrong, what they need to work on for the next time, fire drill procedures, tornado drill procedures, medical emergency, Emergency procedures. They you know, to keep all that in their Bible. So if something should, you know, it's basically always be prepared. It's Murphy. You run and live and breathe Murphy's law. That if yes. something can go wrong, <laughs> you better be prepared for it. So that's the big first big thing that if you want to be a stage manager is that you have to be extremely extremely organized and that you have to make sure that your organization style at least fits in or complements the director's organizational style because you don't want to be spending half the rehearsal arguing with the director as to how to set up a cast list. Right. <laughs> so that was the big one of the big things. The second one is that you have to be a fairly good people person. Like you said, yes. the, the, the newer stage managers do have a tendency to let the stress get to them. I've readily admit I've blown up on more than one occasion when I've stage managed because, especially in community theater, 
you've got eight hour job day and then you go to your rehearsal for another six hours and you know maybe you're eating fast food because you don't have time to go get a decent meal and you're running around like crazy trying to get everything and then you have an actor come up and say i forgot my shoes at home and it's everything in your power to not strangle them (laughs) it's like herding cats exactly exactly so one of the pieces of advice don hill gave in that the art of stage management workshop you have to be the sanest person in the room (laughs) and when he said that that was in my article which again i'll link to i wrote that a lot of things he said i knew but the way he phrased it made me go that's exactly what i mean so yeah basically you have to be a good people person be a good manager it's also part of your job is being a diplomat that there are various different personalities that you have to deal with the actors directors technicians usually the producer too or the the people who run the theater you're probably the primary contact there and you have to be the person that kind of coordinates all of them and make sure everybody realizes that it, you know what you're trying to do is for the good of the show and i think that when i do stress out that's when what the primary reason is because the person i'm talking to seems to realize seems to not realize that why i'm telling them this is not because i have some sort of power trip or that i want to be controlling it's that i'm all i'm thinking about is the good of the show and this is why i'm i'm doing this absolutely so one of the things that he suggested for being a better people manager is using the phrase this is just a reminder when talking about things because that way it doesn't come across as an instruction. It doesn't come across as a complaint. It puts the, the, the setting in the, the person who's receiving that mind as they already know that they're not going to be put on defensive because right. they're being told. And so it's a lot less confrontational by saying that. It also suggests that in terms of time constraint, that you have to problem solve for today. Yeah, you can think about the big picture, but if, uh, you know, today's issue is that the costume won't fit, you can't worry about whether or not the lighting cues tomorrow are going to run. You have to worry about that costume fitting. Right. And so, you know, sit down with the director way in advance, find out how he he or she wants to disseminate the information, does, do they want you to, when it comes time to giving the lines back, do they want you to do it in a monotone, which a lot of directors suggest, because that way you're not interpreting the role do you want do, do they want them to interpret the role that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and then just make sure you have time for yourself as well like i said you have an 8 hour yes. work day then you go to rehearsals for 4 to 5 hours make sure your day off is a day off because otherwise that stress is going to be extremely high yes and so that was some of the big tips for being a good stage manager. You wonder why there is a master's degree in stage management. Obvious, I mean, there actually stage managers can make a lot more money than yes. almost any other role in theater in terms of professional theater. But you got to realize too that a lot of these duties that you do as a stage manager can transfer over to non-theater type jobs. Yes. An office manager, for example, stage manager basically for the office, wedding planners, event managers, basically all you're doing is running a show. I mean, mm-hmm. I know when I was planning my own wedding, I joked about that it was just I was doing it like I was doing a show. And that was part of what kept me sane with planning my wedding is because I was able to treat it like a show. Absolutely. So any further tips on your end? I would say those cover a lot of the majority of what's important. I think also being a stage manager, having a good sense of humor will go really far, especially, again, we, we covered stress, what you're going to end up doing. I know I've done shows where I've just, I'm ready to pull my hair out just because so much is expected of you. You've got a director who wants A, B, C, and D done, 
by this date on top of your duties that you're already doing. Plus, you have actors who come to you complaining about, well, why do I have to be here if da-da-da-da-da, and having to deal with that aspect. Just having a sense of humor and enjoying what you're doing and remembering you're a part of the show, and you're a big part of why this production is coming together. Because without a stage manager, it would be quite chaotic, honestly. So it's very important to remember that. You know, there's a lot of different things that go within the stage manager, but I know we've also talked a little bit about there are different types of jobs as far as, you know, there's the main stage manager, a backstage manager, an assistant manager, a stagehand, an assistant director even mm-hmm. does a lot of the management skills. That's where most of my background was in assistant directing before I went over to stage management. So I think it's really important, you know, if you think you want to become a stage manager, try being a stagehand first so it's not overwhelming and you get used to that atmosphere. Or an assistant stage manager, if you feel more comfortable, just build up to it. And then I don't think you'll have that burnout quite as suddenly. Right. And we talked about in the intro that there is a difference between being a stage manager and a backstage manager, primarily. Assistants, obviously, are more of a system. But backstage manager, they're the ones that are actually on the stage behind the scenes while the stage manager tends to stay in the booth, as you said, running the cues. The backstage manager is mainly the person in charge of the props, unless there is a different props person. I, In the case, for example, Theater and Park, I did props for My Fair Lady there. But they're the ones that make sure that everything runs smoothly backstage, hence backstage manager, (laughs) whereas the stage manager tends to stay in the booth running the cues through lovely, lovely headsets and lovely, lovely mic systems that I I wish I had a set. I kind of do, but it needs new earpieces. But if you want to learn more about information uh, about stage management, again, I'm going to post links to all these various websites I'm thinking. But one of the books that I highly recommend is The Stage Management Handbook by Daniel Iannazzi, I'm guessing is how you pronounce it. I know that my good friend Joe Newsom, who uh, is no longer in Kansas City area, curse him, lived and breathed by this book. He thought it was the best book out there on stage management. It gives lots of tips, gives lots of suggestions, and lots and lots of forms, which if you're an organized person like we both are you love those forms the that organization aspect especially in today's technology has really come so much better i mean used to be you had to handwrite all this stuff out or photocopy the forms and fill them out that way now you can you know pull up your excel spreadsheet you can use google you know open windows if you're open office if you're not a microsoft office person you can use google docs to share said files with your uh, staff and director and whatnot you can also use google groups or yahoo group for Shakespeare in the parking lot much to do about nothing which I started out as a stage manager but turned into the assistant director due to my husband's job hours changing Um, we created a google group specifically for cast and crew that way instead of me having to create a distribution list in my email and maybe every once in a while forgetting somebody's email because that has happened to me in the past where I think I have everybody but then you know one of the actors is like I never got that email I created that google group invited everybody on there and then that way once I sent out an email I knew everybody on that list got said email so that was one of the best forms of communication so now I pretty much whenever I do director stage manage I pretty much tell the director that if they don't have email think twice about casting them because that is so much easier to communicate Mm -hmm. than phone calls nowadays especially if you do have a day job being able to communicate via email is so much faster and so much Absolutely. and the communication can be so much more clear too because you know you can say okay rehearsals is going to be this this and this whereas on a phone call you're more talking back and forth and it's it's hard to leave a message and especially if you've got a lot of detail yeah. to that information and it's 2011 Get yeah. an email address <laughs> 
So that's pretty much stage management. Did you have a specific specific book that you uh, re- could recommend? You know, I'm a kinesthetic learner. So, you know, I've read several things, but everything I've learned has been through experience. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have a specific book that I can transfer over. This is actually, you know, I know a theater management book that I used that I got great forms and information from, and it had nothing to do with stage managing. So I, I think there's a lot of different resources to go from. But one one thing that I know that has been mostly helpful is just experience, trying different jobs, and also learning from those around you. Learning from a stage manager if you're an actor. Learning from a stage manager if you're a stagehand. Take what you're given and learn from those individuals because that's really how it's going to end up working. And, you know, stage management, you know, back in the day, we're thinking of Shakespeare's time, it used to be a playwright and actors. And those guys ran everything. They did, you know, they did their own lamps. They did their own costumes. They did everything together to put on production. Now with technology being so high, there has to be a team that's working on those technical aspects. And there's got to be that stage manager. So I think that being technically savvy... And taking advantage of doing all the different booth options, like running lights, running Mm -hmm. sound, doing those, is really going to benefit you if you're looking at the management side. Just because a lot of times you have, you know, it's a learning field. You'll have someone who doesn't know how to use a booth who wants to run it. So it's important to have that technological background Well, and also there's also that lovely few times when you have somebody and for whatever reason they can't show up. For a rehearsal or, God forbid, a performance. I've had that happen, so I've had to run the lights or sound as stage manager because something came up, there was an emergency. One of my theater stories, which I'll say for our second segment, has where I myself could not make it as the stage manager. And so it was, thankfully, somebody there knew what I'd done. I'd left my book there. And so they were able to do the show without me. It wasn't as good. They readily admitted because, you know, stage manager is the one person who knows how to do everything. But I had left detailed enough notes to where it could be done without me. And to this day, I never hesitate to leave more notes than I can because of that incident. Yes. Well, and also if you want to learn more, like you said, yeah, definitely learn learn everything about what it is. My philosophy for how to be just a manager is that a good general remembers what it's like to be a private. So if you're going to be a stage manager, remember what it's like to be an actor. Know what it's like to be a director. Know what it's like to be a lighting technician. Know what it's like to be a backstage manager because you're going to – those people skills will come in so much more handy if you can step into those shoes and be, remember, oh, yeah, I remember what it's like to be an actor and, and forget that there's a reason they're telling you to do something and stuff like that and you know brush up on your psychology i think out of i I will read me i'm aces on the organizational facility of stage management my people skills probably are not the best Um, and that's one of the things that i'm constantly striving to be better as a stage manager is to be a better people person be let it be less stressful for me to let not let it get to me and to realize i have to be the sanest person in the room absolutely and so it's always a constant struggle to remember that so we will end this segment on a joke because i love theater jokes yay (laughs) good news bad news Two stage managers nearing the end of their careers were discussing the likelihood of there being some form of theatrical endeavor in the hereafter. The first consulted a friendly medium, and he then walks up to the second guy and says, I've got some good news and some bad news. Good news is that there's a wonderful theater in heaven. Well-equipped, spacious, plenty of wing space. In fact, there's a show opening tomorrow night. Oh, that's great, said the second manager. So what's the bad news? Bad news? You're calling the show. 
So <laughs> we're going to take a little break here and then move on to our second topic, which is going to be just us telling theater tales. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Trisha Kyler Bowling from American Heartland Theater, and you're listening to Stage Savvy. Okay, so theater tales. Let's start with my stage management story. Yay! I, I will out myself. Though I was stage managing a production of Squabbles, one of those many lovely sitcom-esque type theaters that, yes, I did have to find a sound of a toilet flushing for my sound cues, <laughs> was on my way home from rehearsal one day, got pulled over by a cop, Turns out there was a warrant out for my arrest because of some bad checks and got put in jail. So I couldn't attend the show that night because I was in jail. That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that was probably to this day one of my most embarrassing theater stories I've ever had. Uh, thankfully, I did manage to get the <laughs> warrant taken care of and I moved it, got moved down to a misdemeanor. I do uh, have it was a felony charge at the time. <laughs> And it got moved down to a misdemeanor, and I was able to take care of it. But this was back in the day when I was still just fresh out of college, and we were uh, writing bad checks left and right because we couldn't afford to to not and still eat. So, yeah, my my big theater story is that I uh, the only time I've ever missed a performance was because I was in jail. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's a pretty good excuse, you know. (laughs) So... Your turn. Well, I guess, you know, going on stage management stories, this kind of even branches on to our original segment. I probably should have talked about this was, you know, budgeting. Stage managers used to know everything about budgeting because it bit me in the butt several times where you end up spending your own money for props and items because it just ends up happening that way. But I had a director for a show I was doing who, you know, I tried to put everything really cheap on the stage I used Kool-Aid instead of grape juice for wine on stage for example because Kool-Aid is what 10 cents for 10 cents for a packet exactly of, yeah that's, I actually yeah and I didn't I, even put sugar in it dang. it was kind of rude but you know I know it tasted not so great but guess it's what gotta, it looked good and that's all that matters gotta be better there. than tea for whiskey I yeah. hate I hate tea <laughs> I don't mind the tea but uh, okay, better than, it, than warm tea that's been out for two hours. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> we'll change that. Okay, <laughs> sure. Okay. But I went ahead with the Kool-Aid and the director just, no, it needs to be the right texture. It needs to be the right look. It just, it's not what I'm looking for. I need to have real grape juice and, and so it's a little bit thicker so it looks more like real wine. All right. So I went ahead and did all the bought grape juice. And, of course, there were several scenes where they were dining. So we went through a lot of grape juice. And I went way over budget. And I turned in my receipts to be reimbursed. And pretty much half the director's fee or stipend went to repaying my receipts because he wanted to have it. And he got chewed out by the producer for having my receipts be so high for the budget. That ended up coming out of his stipend. So yay for me. But uh, it was kind of interesting having to work with a director. It's like, no, it's going to be the right texture when you're trying to do him a favor and then it ended up biting him in the butt later yeah. on. I mean, that goes back when you just want to say, dude, there's such a thing as suspension as disbelief. Yeah. <laughs> well, my only food related uh, was actually a director story, not a stage management story. I was directing greetings for uh, Northgate Community Theater. And I don't know if you're familiar with the show. It's by D- Tom Dudzik. And one of the scenes involves them eating Christmas dinner, meatloaf. And it's specifically meatloaf. There's a whole scene where the father goes off on the meatloaf and and stuff like that. And so I tried making meatloaf for the first 
for tech rehearsals, and that worked fine, but it was a lot of, again, time-consuming. So thankfully, Hy-Vee sold little tins of meatloaf, or you could get meatloaf in their little Mm -hmm. deli area. And so I just ended up buying meatloaf on my own dime because that was one of those things where it just, it wouldn't work for them to just mimic eating. They had to actually eat on stage. And so they were eating meatloaf on stage, and one of the actors had to wrestle, and um, let's just say a friendly sound came out (laughs) in the middle of the wrestling scene, Uh, so we added Beano to the (laughs) list of things we bought for... The actor to to have. I will be nice and not name who that actor was. Although know. he, he knows who it is. <laughs> That's where I got my lovely recipe for baked apples, though. Because it also involved go. a scene where uh, the father smashes a baked apple on stage. And thankfully, the lady who played the mom, because I'm not a big cooker. I'm picky eater, so it doesn't help. But uh, thankfully, the mom, play, the person playing the mom, had this excellent recipe for baked apples to this day it, to die for. I don't make them very often because they're so sweet and so loaded in sugar. We ha- she, she made a batch, and then that was part of her cast party. We had actual baked apples that we could all eat. We didn't have to leave sure. them out and get smashed in the middle of the show. <laughs> apples Mm, they're tasty tasty. (laughs) so well you know one thing that has followed me around and you know i'm not terribly old so you know i have limited experience as well but i have played more men on stage and and i think you understand what i'm talking about when you have a lower do i i don't know can i play a man (laughs) when you're a, a taller girl the deeper voice and the fact that there are fewer men interested in big cast in roles, uh, particularly in educational and community theater, a lot of times they utilize women. And I've played five different men on stage, and then I've had three other roles converted from men's roles to women's roles for me. So I could play a female, even though it was originally a male role. But one of these roles in which I was playing was Inherit the Wind. I was playing the bailiff. And I uh, I went all out with my costume. I had a full beard. Uh, I had a wig on. So I looked like the ugliest, most effeminate dude you've ever seen. That I mean, I, I was a little atrocious. I won't lie. But you couldn't tell what I was. I was a he-she a little bit. And in the program, I put J.D. Morris instead of Jennifer Morris so that no one would know what was going on. And, of course, I figured everyone would be like, all right, it's a girl mm-hmm. trying to dress up. I actually fooled about half the audience just based on polls taken later on in some of the theater classes that were required to go see the show. About half the people thought I was a man, half the people thought I was a woman, and there were several divided opinions amongst the entire campus. So I felt pretty proud of that, that I, I divided enough attention that this like, we don't know. It's it's like the whole Pat syndrome. Is it a man? Is it a woman? I don't know. Well, I'll have to go one of two ways with this one. I have to ask, <laughs> did you stuff? Uh, you know, I stuffed my belly so that I was nice and fluffy. I did not stuff my pants. Because uh, my last play when I was at Park, when I was actually playing multiple roles. Um, this was the melodrama where I actually, one of the many roles where I had someone trying to kill my character. Every role I've been in in Park, uh, someone was trying to kill or actually succeeded in killing my character. 
the, I was the main role. I was the crazy sister who knew where the will was, but I was also one of the minor characters who was a guy, one of the drinking guys. And, and since it was a melodrama, I could not play that as a woman. It had to be a man because this was during the Trumpers movement. Women did not drink in the Temperance movement. And yeah, I stuffed a sock down my pants nice. and had Rich check me every night. <laughs> but in terms of playing men, I also, Rich and I, um, one of the shows after I graduated at Park, not to spoil it, but yes, yet another role where I had someone try to uh, attempt to kill me, actually succeed. Ten Little Indians. Marsha Morgan, the director, decided to switch up gender casting and had me play Mr. Rogers and Rich play Mrs. Rogers. And so Rich got to be full drag. I got to be full drag. And we actually, one of the times after the show, they do the receiving line at Mm -hmm. Park, or they did. I don't know if they still do now that Marsha's no longer there, but we came out in costume and had someone say, what a great job and you should be so proud of your wife they told me (laughs) because in the in the program i went by andrew uh fiedler because this is before i got married and uh or no anthony and rich went by kate sutton and we had a couple people that did not realize we were not the proper genders that's funny um i think that's about it for now let's take another break and then we will wrap things up You've been listening to Stage Savvy in affiliation with Casey Stage Magazine. Casey Stage, we'll leave the ghost light on for you. Okay, that wraps things about up for this time. Jen? All right, thank you for listening to our second episode of Stage Savvy, hosted by myself, Jen Morris. Oh, we have applause. And Angie Fielder Sutton. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it, and we would love to hear any comments or feedback that you have. Uh, you can send us comments in several different ways. You can comment on the blog posting for this podcast over at angiefsutton.wordpress.com, which is also where you'll find the show notes for this podcast and some of the links to some of the things we talked about. You can also email Angie at afiedler, A-F-I-E-D-L-E-R, at kcstage.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 816-23-STAGE. Uh, please indicate that you're calling about the podcast, and uh, heads up if you do leave us a voicemail uh, that it may end up on a future podcast. Yep. Uh, we highly encourage that, yes, actually. Yes, if you want to be on our podcast, please, by all means, leave us a voicemail. Absolutely. We'd also like to thank KKFI FM 90.1 for letting us record this podcast at their lovely studios. And we would also like to thank Jason Bauer, who wrote the great theme music, a variation of I Got Rhythm. All right. Well, one thing we also like to share in each podcast is we'd like to share a song written by a local musician and performed by a local musician. And if you're a musician in the area and you would like us to highlight something you've written, just send us a note. Again, mentioning a podcast, either by email at the email address listed earlier, afeeler at kcstage.com, or by calling 816-23-STAGE. And again, just mention the podcast and we'll get in touch with you. Today we'd like to feature Jason Bavone, and he has uh, a tune called Plaything, and it's featured in his new solo CD called My Roaring Twenties. It's a collection of songs he wrote while he was in college. And he also plays at CODA at 1744 Broadway in KCMO the first Friday of each month. And then you can also, if you enjoy the song, please visit www.reverbnation.com forward slash Jason Bavone. And it's V-I-V-O-N-E, or you can search him on Facebook. We'll also list this on the podcast as well. So here's Plaything.
Stage Savvy is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share Alike License. For more information, visit the Creative Commons website.